Welcome to the Generations United Church podcast, where we discuss the Bible, church, culture, and all things relevant to a follower of Jesus. Welcome to part two of our discussion on Generation Z. My name is Pastor Luke Williams. Uh, I am the online pastor and the pastor of young adults here at Generations United Church. If you didn't get a chance to listen to part one of this discussion, go back, uh, listen to that. That sets everything up. And so I don't want to delay much more. Uh, I want to go ahead and get into it. But uh, if this is your first time, if you're new to Gen U, welcome. Uh, head on over to genuchurch.com. Find out about our service times, our events. Find out how to get plugged in with a small group. Find out how to serve. In this episode, Pastor Ryan and I, we discuss the opportunities and our hopes for this generation. I hope that this discussion gives you life and hope for our future and our future generations. Let's get into it, where we continue to answer the question, who is Gen Z? So, the opportunities for Gen Z. This is a good... They're not a bad generation. No, they're, they're a not. good generation. Yeah, there's positives and every, negatives in every generation. So I want to give us to. So when I, you know, earlier I was talking about Barna, and we said that they were, that they gave us some different, some different definitions. And so we're going to work with their definitions. And so we're going to talk about the opportunities within the church because that's we are a church, Generations United Church, and we that's what matters to us uh, specifically is like how can we partner with this generation? How can we minister to this generation in such an effective way that the gospel is like inhabited and incarnated in their lives, but mm-hmm. also that it, it it's, is influenced into others and those around them? And so Barna kind of, ha- they break out those who uh, go to church, right? So they were looking at like Christians and like where they fall on the religious scale. So they kind of break it down into engaged Christians, Churched Christians, unchurched Christians, people who are other faith, and those who have no faith. So let's go through that real quick. So engaged Christians are, they identify as Christian. They have attended church within the past six months. And it's important to know, too, they have gone to the church in the past six months, and they've engaged with extra church activities. And then they also agree with the following statements. These these are kind of theological. They believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. They are committed to Jesus, and they believe that Jesus was crucified, resurrected from the dead, and conquered sin and death. Okay, those are some real basic, you know, Christian theologies. But those are those are what we call engaged Christians. Then there's the churched Christians. They identify as Christian. They have attended church within the past six months, but they don't qualify as engaged because they either don't agree with any of those, you know, maybe one or two of those statements above, and they may have not engaged with any outside church activities. I would say the majority of people that are churchgoers are probably under that churched Christian category. I would agree. The unchurched are just people who say they're Christians, but they have not gone to church within the past six months. Other faith are just non-Christian, so Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu. No faith are people who are agnostic, atheist, or they check none of the above, right? So we're going to kind of talk about the engaged Christian and church Christian, but is there any of those definitions that 
anything that stands out to you about those definitions? Anything you agree with, disagree with? Man, the thing that stands out to me is the six month time frame. That's yeah. Six months, we're talking half a year. Yeah. They could easily be an engaged Christian and only attend church twice a year. <sighs> Think about that. If they have attended within the past six months, so they can still believe all those statements, but only go to church twice a year, and they're still considered an engaged Christian. Uh-huh. My goodness, that's a horrible time frame. Uh-huh. Man, in my head, I'm thinking like, shoot, if you're uh, to, if I would say within the past month, I'd want to know. That's a, that'd be yeah. I, that's an engaged Christian to me. For them to statistically say an engaged Christian is once in six months, man, that's mind blowing to me. That's crazy. That's that's crazy. Now they have. Maybe, of course, they, they say they affirm some theological statements, okay? Mm-hmm. And then they say that they've participated in something that has been outside of church activity. So at this time, this was 2016, the majority of them were high schoolers and middle schoolers. So they were in probably in youth groups. And, well, they're definitely probably in youth groups. Yeah. They're, you know, engaged. And so they've engaged with something outside. So whether it's, you know, a, a beach day or camp. So by this definition... You could have gone to church twice in a year mm-hmm. and have gone to camp with your students, and that is the barrier for an engaged Christian. That's such a low bar, bro. That is a low That is such a low bar. bar. Man, that's such but a low bar. But my word, is it not accurate? Yeah, it's totally accurate, that, and that's the sad part. It is. And... um so when we so when we talk about some of these numbers coming up, we're, that, that's who we're talking about: engaged and churched. And I, I think it's important to note note too. You know, this didn't define you know in person attendance or online attendance. So it also doesn't define like did you go to your local church or did you go or did you watch you know a church that's streaming online like Elevation or someone like that? Did yeah. you watch one of their services? It doesn't. It doesn't define that, but so that's what we're kind of working with, and that probably in and of itself looks like you know it it, it looks like sounds like and is a challenge. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> it like totally is. that's that's just really tough to work with, especially oh, yeah. for those. I, I'm very sure you, dude. I because I grew up in church. We were there every Sunday morning. Um, if there was Wednesday night activity, we did that. My parents had a home group, so a small group, essentially, yeah. you know, in the home. That was like weekly and happened for years. And so that was – so when I think of church, when I think of engaged, that's my idea. Oh, yeah. And so I think for those who are listening who are, who that was also like them, or maybe it wasn't like them, but they probably hold that as an ideal, uh, you know, we're looking at this and we're not saying that this is like – the way to be. We're not affirming or any of that. We're just saying this is what the data is showing us right now, and so now we have to try to understand them the best that we can, Oh yeah, which is super tough. So engaged Christians pre-COVID, 79% said that they attended church. That attending church is very important. Okay, 80%. Yeah. Attending church is important. I'm good with that. That sounds good. Church Christians... Um, only twenty five percent say that they that attending church is important. Yeah. So they've gone to church in the past six months, but they may not do anything extra, and they may not fully buy into the, the- some of that basic mm-hmm. theology. Um, when you look at the at those that say that church is a place to find answers to live a meaningful life, 
the engaged, 95% said yes. And church said 77% said, yeah, church is a way we can find meaningful life. So similar numbers say they feel comfortable being themselves at church Mm -hmm. and that church is relevant to their life. Those are positives, I think. Very, very positive. You know what I mean? Like, so that's for us as pastors, I think that's helpful. This is where it kind of gets negative here. And it says engaged and churched say that uh, church rejects science. So 37% of the engaged group says that church rejects science. So more than a third. And then over half of the churched, so not engaged, say that church rejects science. So when you look at um, the numbers for, you know, the statement, you know, do you believe that the church is hypocritical? 21% of engaged said, yeah, 42% said yes of, of churched that, that believe that the church is hypocritical. And then when you look at, um, is the church a safe place to express doubts? Um, or that the church is not a safe place to express doubts. 12% of the engaged Christians said, yeah, I can't express my doubts in church in 32% of church Christians say, yeah, the church is, church is not a place I can express my doubts. I know we just threw a lot of numbers out there at you, and I'm going to put some of this stuff up in the, in the show notes so that people can kind of look at it and see that there. But when we look at this, Ryan, what are, what are the opportunities for keeping the engaged Christians? Well, for one, they find the church to be a place where they can find meaning in life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if if that's the case, then the church has got to find a better way to get this younger generation not only coming more regularly, but giving them value and not just a pretty gospel presentation, right. but giving them meaningful truth and value that yeah. causes them to say, yep, I found what I'm looking for so that they can come back for it. Yeah. You know, too many, too many churches are just packaging church nowadays where it's more about an experience more than it is, than it is more about the truth. Yeah. And I feel like that, seeing that 95% find it, find a place, they, they can find meaningful life and answers to life within the church culture. Man, we got to run with that. We got to, yeah. we got to create opportunities that allow them to be, to be able to find those answers, whether it's classes, um, more in-depth preaching on Sunday mornings, which, man, this past Sunday, Pastor crushed that message. Yeah. He just knocked that one out of the park with that opportunity series. Uh, Pastor Phil's doing fantastic with that. Um, but he's, Yeah, that's the overcoming. That was week five. You can go back and listen to that yeah. if, you, if you missed it. But he, him and some of the other pastors I've worked with in the past – those those guys are very rare. Yeah. There's this move within a church where it's all about self-help, it's all fluff, it's not very biblical teaching. Yeah. They'll take 30 different scriptures, try to package it together and make you feel great about yourself afterwards, but but I think that's not what the the Christians need. They they need to find answers. Yeah. Answers that they can hold and stand firm on because they want to move from that sand to a rock and they just don't know how to get there or what does it. So I mean, that's a awesome opportunity for the church. Church should be, should be really excited about that. I think so too. And I think, you know, we're talking about Christianity can can Christianity help me find a fulfilling life or create a fulfilling life, however you want to word that. You know, and and I agree. I think we've we've talked so much about um about like for churches, it's just like kind of like happy go lucky psychology, kind of pop psychology yeah, stuff. Definitely. 
But what we're actually learning in a lot of like in psychology is creating that meaningful life is also like doing a lot of healing and inner reflective work. And of course, people should do some of that stuff within the, the confines of therapy and a professional, especially some of the deep trauma. But the Bible, Scripture, the life of Christ shows us how to look inside of ourselves mm-hmm. and even call out to God to help us look inside of ourselves and say, where are where are the where is the sin? Where is the depths? Where's the hurt that's inside of me? Because I want that abundant life that God promised. Mm-hmm. I want a life where the kingdom of God is in me and flows through me yeah. so that the love of God is present in my life. And what Jesus tells us is that an abundant life is not one that it that that is pain-free. Suffering mm-hmm. is very much yep. in the vernacular of Jesus Christ. It has, it has nothing to do with financial prosperity. Yep. Do I think God wants us to steward our money well? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. To grow the kingdom. Everything, everything that's good and perfect comes from him and, and, and things that – and money is, again, it's one of those things. It's amoral, but what we do with it and how we operate with it, that matters. Oh, yeah. And so I think – for our, the opportunity here with this next generation is to bring the gospel to them in such a way that it's engaging enough, using that word, barring that term, it's engaging enough to them that they say, no, I'm going to stick with this and I'm going to learn as much as I can because mm-hmm. I want that life that Jesus promised. Absolutely. Man, and that's a, it, it is tough. It's tough for you, you know, with, with students. It's tough for me with this, with young adults because, um, I think for in in both and both sides, they even though you have some that are not adults and some that are adults, they kind of this generation gets to choose what they want to do. Oh, absolutely! They get to choose if church is important to them. They get to choose where they go to church if they don't go to church. Um, and so, making it meaningful to them and making them see that this that this matters. Yeah, this matters to have the life that they that they want. Um. The same thing too. Like when we look at, um, you know, these things of you know the church and church rejecting science, uh, that the church is hypocritical. It's not a safe safe space to express doubts. What are some areas there that you see some opportunities? Maybe well, especially the hypocritical part. Um, we just as, as church leaders have to be people of character more consistently. Yeah. Yeah. So that when we we don't just talk a talk, but we have to walk it out yeah. and do it in a way that's open. Yeah. For these these this generation to see it, not in a celebrity way. No. But in that's a, a that's a fake way. Yeah, that's a fake, inauthentic be. way. It might it will raise somebody's platform, but it's sure. not going to impact people's lives in the way that they want. They yeah. need to see it in just a life to life, walk to walk type of a way. Yeah. You know, in in when they're when you're looking at in First Peter where it talks about the requirements for an eldership or being a pastor or a leader in the church. Yeah. Hospitality is one of them. Yeah. You don't yeah. hear that very often, but that man has to be, you have to be a man of hospitality, which means you have to be able to invite people in and bring people alongside of you on a regular basis. Like if mm. if pastors aren't doing that, if we as leaders aren't doing that with this generation, 
they'll never follow because they want to see what's behind right. the veil. Right. They always want to see what's behind. Okay, what's yeah. what's really behind? What's really going on behind? They they're, they question everything, which I yeah. love about them because yeah. they want to know about apologetics. They want to know how to combat some of this, some of the things they hear and, and say. What does the Bible say about it? But they they want a more authentic experience within yeah. their life, and they want to see it from people that are ahead of them. They want yeah. to see what. I like that. What's your success story? What What are you doing to make that possible? And to be able to, so I think that hypocritical part, and then just being able to open up and allow them to express doubt without judging them. Hey, man, yeah. what? That's a huge deal. Yeah. Like, I'm going to try to meet with a couple students here over the next couple of weeks, and I just want to sit down and have coffee with them and say, hey, what's your story? Mm. What are you going through right now? Yeah. What doubts are you going through? How can I pray for you about that? And then yeah. how can it be? How can it be a sounding voice? Because I'm not. You, back in the day, uh, when we did something wrong or we had a doubt, you just need to pray over. It. That's the that's that's a demon speaking to your head, son. <laughs> that's the world talking to you. We got to pray that out. Shundala, throw oil on you, you know, and you just believe. Just believe. Just, just do it. Just, just do it. Ignorant bliss. Ignorance is bliss, right? Yeah. Yeah. This generation ain't gonna buy any of that. They are not. They want to know. The nuts and bolts of it, yeah, which is which is really exciting because if we can get them to, if we can show them the Bible and we can show them Jesus, I think they're really gonna, you know, I really think this generation has a chance of being one of the greatest spiritual generations that we've ever seen because yeah. their passion, their heart, their ability to influence, the ability with technology, and just being authentic uh, or being able to learn how to be authentic in a Christ-like way. I think those those statistics are are really kind of encouraging for me. I think so too. A hundred percent do. That's that is a hundred percent how I view this next year. I see that I see it so positively. And I think that they're gonna be better than the previous generations at learning how to navigate. Okay, this is what I believe. This is how I believe Jesus wants me to live my life. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna live this life. But there's also going to be people in my life, people I work with, people I go to school with, uh, people in my family, friends that don't hold these values 100% like what I do, but I'm going to love them, live them out, but love them and accept them and include them within my life, Mm -hmm. even though... It's not one for one. It's not exact. Yeah. I think Gen Z 100% will do that better than previous generations because Absolutely. everyone else before, it was conform or get out, conform yeah. or goodbye. You're with us or against us. You're with out. us or against us. And I'm like, that is not how we can live in this world. Yeah. It's just not. And I think from the hypocritical piece, I'm so grateful that we do, yeah, we work for a pastor that is very, very open about, um, not only just his own struggles, but his own failures and how the Holy Spirit helped him heal and move on and move forward. I think we have to be very real about, and obviously in a careful way, we can't bleed all over and be too specific in <laughs> yeah, some ways, but you know, depending on the situation. But we do have to be careful, but we also have to be very authentic with them. Absolutely. And I think that we're they see all these people failing. And again, thanks to the internet, no more time than ever before do we know the amount of pastors that are out there failing. Failing. Christians who are failing. These Christian influencers who are failing. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's this 
it's this way of looking at the world of of just being like you're saying this, but you're you're, you're out here. And I think really the life of faith is one saying this is my ideal, and this is the way that I'm going to live. And when I violate that, mm-hmm. that is wrong. Yep. I'm not going to affirm that that's okay. That's wrong. But I'm also going to be really honest about the, the the ways that I failed and the ways that I've learned from that failing. I think that um, in a world that is it is pushing inclusivity, and probably in a way that's being exclusive. Yeah. But it's pushing in- inclusivity. But it. But here's what's great about this generation is they are willing to understand people. Mm-hmm. They're willing to sit back and listen to people and their circumstances, listen to them about their life, about the context in which they grew up in and lived. I think that is the church of the future. Yeah. Not one that says, um, here's the markers for belonging. If you don't if that's if you don't meet these requirements, then you're not mm-hmm. you can't be part of this. And instead saying, do you have questions? So do I. Yeah. Are you upset with the way things have been done with the past? Yeah, so am I. I've also I've also messed up, and here's the ways that I've learned from it. And that's how I think this – I the future Gen Z pastors and leaders, I think that that's how they're going to lead. Yeah. And I think that that's how they're going to minister, and that's how they're going to shepherd. And it makes me so – it makes me really excited to think about a world – you know, people – I think it's it's all and I have this tendency to look to look at those younger than me. I don't even that old. I'm 33, but I look you know I look down and I can kind of looking back at some of those younger than me. And there is this like, well, well back in my day we mm-hmm. did this, and I you know I don't like that because it's not like how I did it, and that is just unhelpful. Unhelpful. It's unhelpful, man. Especially for those of us in the church, whether you're a pastor or not, yep. it's unhelpful to look at people in that in that way, man. It's yeah. just not. It's just we got to be better. It's a different world. It is a different world. It's such a different world. I mean, you're just not going to be able to silo people like no. that anymore. No. And that, yeah, like I just, you're just not going to be able to do that. And the ability for people to evangelize, I think, is going to be such a greater way because of that inclusivity. Yeah. I really do. Uh, you know, there was a, I think, I forget who. We used to have a value, one of my former youth groups, we used to say, we're going to be a place where people can belong before they believe. Yeah. And then we're going to have patience while they believe and grow. Yeah. That's good. Like, because because that's what the church needs to be. And that's what here we're hope, love, and acceptance. We'll accept you where you're at. But then we're going to be patient with you as you grow because we know it's not my job to make you believe a certain way. That's Jesus's job. My job is a seed into water. Yeah, it's God's job to do everything else. I don't save you. Jesus saves you. Yeah, I don't. I'm not your conscience. That's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And just being able to help love people and walk them through the good, the good times, the hard times, the difficult times, and just being for people. Yeah, man. People yeah. are God's greatest resource. This yeah. generation is is that's yeah, a good way of putting it. It just is. I mean, it's God's greatest resource. I think this generation has more empathy towards people, yeah, than any other previous generation. Yes, because of technology, because yeah. of the way the world is moving, um, they just are. 
they're just more empathetic towards people. Yeah. In in the pain and hurt of people. Now, just because people are doing certain things doesn't make it right. Sure. But at the same point, it just allows them to be able to have a voice in the lives of people that I wouldn't have been able to when I was their age. Absolutely. Be able to speak into different people's context and different people's world, even when we didn't we didn't live in that world. No, no. And now you're looking at it, and everyone lives in a different world. Every all, for them, everyone's di- in a lot of ways very different and very unique. And there, and that is, which has always been the the struggle when as for identity formation in teenagers yeah. is, and this I think goes throughout time is finding out who am I. Or always, there's, we're always trying to always figure trying to that figure out, that. and yeah. it's really confusing when you're just, especially at that age where you're just the high school, middle school years where you're just looking to who, who do I, who do I follow? How, but I think if I'm honest, even as a 33 year old, and even then maybe that's, I'm a little more comfortable in myself. I am still having to measure myself up against Jesus. I'm still having to measure myself up against, against the Bible. Mm -hmm. I'm also having to look around and being like, okay, who have I allowed to influence me? Yep. my my pastors and my teachers and my mentors and the people who I you know read the people who I listen to the people who I watch I think I'm I think if anything maturity has given me and some time has given me is a li- at least the ability to step back a little bit and just say okay who 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 has influence here yeah and to be able to to maybe cultivate that or create something different or change things up if things, you know, need to be changed up. And I think that they're going to be, be the ones to be able to, to do that. I think before, I think generations, including our own and millennials and before, I think when people, when you felt like you were pushing against the norm too much, you kind of just conformed. Oh, absolutely. You just were like, well, I don't want to rock the boat too much. Um, And then you have all these outsiders being like, what are you? Hold on! No, no, no! This stuff that you're you're doing is it's it's wrong. Mm-hmm. This needs to change. And you're like, well, I don't want to say anything because if I say something, it yeah. could get me kicked out of the <laughs> kicked out of the group. Yeah, and I think Gen Z is like, I don't care, kick me out. Yeah, I mean, we're I, we're about what's right. Exactly, and I think that's one of their greatest strong points. Yeah, it, when you know, there that idea of where do I fit in? Where do I fit in? Yeah. Um. You know our greatest basic needs to be to be known and to be to to know and to be known. And oh it's, yeah, it's yep. still that idea of where do I fit in? Yeah, whatever group is going to accept me the most, that's a group I'm going to drop drop into. That's a group that I want to be a part of. And I think the church is supposed to be the group. Oh yeah, the group where we say you you fit in here. That's right, because God created you. Yeah. You're a winner because Jesus picked you. He formed you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. He chose you. He died for you. And guess what? He created this place. Earth stinks. Love earth. <laughs> great things going on. But this isn't our final home. There's a place yeah. in the future yeah. where you're going to live, and we're going to finally live in a utopian-type world that you've only dreamed of, of but yeah. it's going to be even better because it's never going to end. It's never going to deteriorate. There's never going to be uh, sin or destruction or decay. That's our hope. And yeah. the only person that can provide that is Jesus yeah. because he's the only one that died on a cross and the only person in history to be raised from the dead three days later 
and then ascend to heaven. He's the only person that ever does that. If he, Jesus is who he says he is, if he's done what he says he's done, then you can trust and believe on him. So let's walk this out so that we can take how you've been formed and shaped and reshape it in the light of the gospel because it is the best news for anybody at any generation, at any age. Jesus is still the best news. He is the gospel. He is the greatest news that anybody can ever hear. Yeah. And it will always change anybody's life. Always. Man. Man, I feel like this last little bit's been a love letter to to Gen Z. Yeah, you know what I mean. I feel like that's a good that's a good place for us to to end on there. And um, man, again, I'm excited for what the future holds. Yeah, people can be scared of it. People can be concerned about it. And yeah, there's plenty of things to be concerned about. But I think the future is in really good hands. And I think it's incumbent upon us as pastors and as parents. And as just leaders and in this world, to encourage and validate and um, build up this group that's man, they they are literally the future of the church. Absolutely, they are in it. They are the, they are your new tithers. They're your new youth group leaders. Yep, They're new your, volunteers. New volunteers. All of it. Yeah, all that man. And so for us here at Gen U, that's you know. We have you. Uh, we got Pastor Denisa of the, the kids. You know, raising raising that group up. You got me with young adults. We are we care about this group so much, yeah. and they're on our minds. And they're in our prayers, and they're in our thoughts a lot because we know that they they're valuable. They are valuable people. They are part of this kingdom, the kingdom of God, and. Um, we hold the responsibility of loving them and, yeah. and, and ministering to them. And so it's a big responsibility. It's huge. It's I mean, good, I, I won't have it. I, uh, there's nothing I'd rather be. Yeah. I'd rather do. I mean, I think this is, like I said, it's being working in student ministry is one of the funnest jobs you can have. <laughs> it, dude, it's so, it's so rad. It's, it, it's so fun. Yeah. And, you know, I just think back about when I was a teenager and I was coming up, one of the most affirm, the, the things that kept me in the church and kept me wanting to follow Jesus was having people that were older than me in their thirties, forties and fifties telling me great job. So proud of you. Can't wait yes. to see what God does in you. Yes. And the, all, all those millennials, the Gen X, baby boomers, don't lose that heart. No. Look at these young people and, and affirm them. They yes. need to hear, good job. Hey, I saw you serving today. Good job. Hey, mm. I saw you help parking cars today. Great job. I saw you having your hands up for worship. That touched my heart. Yeah. I, that was so amazing. Like We have to not just look at them and say, do what I do. We have to use our words and affirm them because they need to hear the voice of God through us so that they can know that this is the way to go. Absolutely, man. That is, I, I think if for all those that are listening that are in generations before Gen Z, millennials and Gen Xers and boomers and elders, it's our job to, it's our job to build them up. It's our yep. job to, it's our job to, yeah, man, that's so good, dude. I, I really do. I love it. Thank you so much. Dude. For taking some time out and talking and sharing your own insights and your own heart, I think it's. I think that's been. I think it's been in a really. It's been a really great conversation. I'm really really excited we got to have it. Yeah, dude. I think there's enough content in here to make this a part one and part two type deal. Absolutely, and that's exactly what we're going to be doing because <laughs> it's such. A, it's a long podcast, but it's been such like. I didn't want to like. I don't know. I didn't want to stir the con- I didn't want to steer that conversation too much. I just wanted it to be um 
I just wanted it to be very organic and to just, I think for us to just share our heart. Cause you and I have been in this a yeah. long time, man. Yeah, and for the, you know, I started here in 2017 and since 2017, this group of, this group of people have changed. Gen Z has changed, man. What's been popular music wise, what's been popular apps, uh, what's been popular, you know, me, just media in general, media. like all of those things, the, the fashion, like all those things have changed so much and, and it always changes, but it's just fast and it's been crazy. Super fast. It's, yeah. it's, I don't know, man, the, the next four years got me excited. The next five years got me excited. Yeah. I think that just seeing the energy of, of these students and what God wants to do, not just in this area, but just in general all over the church, but more specifically our area because it's our church. But yeah. man, these kids got something in them. There's and there's there's leaders in this youth group that are pulling up and helping raise the temperature. They're being thermostats yeah. in a room. Absolutely. And when you get students who start to do that with other students, whoo, big crazy. things happening. I see yeah. that. I mean, you, you build a great foundation, and I get I get to step on the shoulders of your success, and 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 I just believe that when we're constantly raising each other up, everything's got to go up. Heck so yeah. yeah, I love it. That's great, man. Thanks again, dude. It's been a good convo. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Deuces. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our discussion today. We have a saying here at GenU that anyone at any stage in life can experience the presence of God and that we will welcome anyone with love, acceptance, and forgiveness. If you want to find out more about GenU, head on over to our website, genuchurch.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram. Sign up for our email newsletter that goes out every week with all the details of what is happening in the life of the church. Until next time, we love you, GenU. Take care. Take care.